When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at, at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Thursday, February 9th, 2022. And the big news really came out of the Disney quarterly earnings call yesterday. You, you were mentioning some reductions in cost of the studio? Yeah, they're uh, trying to find a way to make Disney Plus profitable in, instead of uh, a little debt pit or money pit. Uh, so uh, we'll, I guess we'll get to the details of how they plan to make that happen and some amazing number crunching that goes along the way with it as well. Toward that end, of course, you know, you always in an earnings call, you try to be forward looking. And, and in this case, what Disney is really looking forward to is Ant-Man of the Wasp Mania. In fact, one week from today, the Thursday night preview screenings for the Peyton Reed film will get underway. And, and Disney seems to think this will do really, really well. Though I didn't put this together, but they deliberately picked launching this film on Friday, uh, February 17th, because that's the Friday of President's Day weekend. How does that connect? These days, it's not just the Friday, Saturday, Sunday of your opening weekend. It's also your Thursday you know, uh, evening preview screenings. But in the case of a long weekend with people home on Mondays, that mm. translates into, you know, a, a, another a, another weekend a day, so to speak, to go to the to the theater. There we go. OK, I thought they were going to tie in a mattress seal to it when you're going with the president's day. <laughs> no, no that, that's <laughs> you got bed bugs. Ant-Man can help. No, 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 that's only for the Eternals. Oh, I see. Well, you know, you, you, sometimes you need to lay down for a while and. I didn't know The Eternals was to imply the length of the film as well. Yes, this, I, 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 all right, I'm sorry. I'm, we're unnecessarily mean to that Chloe Zhao movie. Okay, circling back to the box office or projected box office for Ant-Man 3. Right now, it's somewhere between $96 million and $131 million with seemingly the sweet spot of we think what's going to happen for this date is 120 million uh, opening weekend, and that's just in North America, by the way. Now, to put that in perspective, <laughs> Avengers Endgame, back when it was released at theaters back in April of, of 2019, it made 140 to 150 million on its first day, Aaron. So, you know, just right up front, nobody's expecting Endgame numbers with this, but they're predicting they'll get a nice, solid launch. For phase five. I would think so just the fact that, you know, this is our first real look at Kang, the the proper villain, not he who remains or any other variant. I'm sure we might get some other variants along the way, but this is our real first look at Kang. So that right there is is gonna sell some tickets, I think. They had the the LA premiere 
And, uh, you know, a lot of folks are still under embargo in regard to this Peyton Reed film. But everybody who came out on social media to try to, to sum up just kept circling back to the fact like, oh, my God, Jonathan Majors is just amazing as Kang the Conqueror. That, you know, everybody is just, you know, he, he did great with the screen time he had. Everyone's excited to see where this character goes further uh, in the MCU. So... That's not spoilery, right? No, I, I think that's very basic. But, okay. You know, I'm, I'm also a nerd who gets inundated with information uh, on a continuous basis. So things I take as just common fact, a lot of people are like, really? I didn't know that was a thing. And I go, oops, sorry. There we go. There we go. <laughs> now, we were just talking about the L.A. premiere, which, by the way, was held at the Fox Westwood Village, not the El Cap. So I apologize if I really suggested that, you know, Disney was going to go with the El Capitan for Ant-Man 3. But... Mr. Feige was on the red carpet and got asked, you said that phase four was very much about introductions. We got to meet a lot of new characters. We've got a lot of new her heroes like America Chavez. We've got Shang-Chi. We got so many people coming in, but now phase five is about connecting everybody, right? And, and Feige goes on to say, absolutely. We wanted the Infinity Saga to feel complete after Endgame and Far From Home. But Phase 4, as I've said, it was all about experimentation, introduction, reintroduction. And, and we took our time to have fun and play with genres we hadn't played in before and do all sorts of fun things with these characters. Now, as for Phase 5, Kevin went on to say, kicking off Phase 5 will continue that. Like in the Infinity Saga, there will be standalone films within the next two phases. But it really is, as you certainly see with Quantumania, heading towards the very, very big picture. And as we've already announced, that big picture will be the multiverse saga in a very, very big way. And we'll, we'll talk more about the multiverse saga. And this story just broke a day or so ago, Aaron, you know, that evidently what we see after the events of Quantumania where things really go crazy Mm -hmm. Is Deadpool 3? Did you see that? Well, I mean, if you're going to have Hugh Jackman in it, it's <laughs> that right there is like, well, yeah, it's got to be a little bit twisted into the side. The, the thing that is making me wonder about everything in the MCU right now, mm -hmm. mutant related, mm -hmm. is I'm almost having this feeling that... Um, I mean, we already had, you know, like Namor specifically say that he was a mutant. So mm -hmm. we are getting new versions of mutants into our MCU right now. But like the core X-Men, if we're going to have Hugh Jackman come back as Wolverine, mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to be in any re in any hurry to recast Hugh Jackman. Mm -hmm. And I think by the time we do get to, you know, the final multiverse movie, mm -hmm. I think we might end up having, you know, Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy both show up in in the multiverse saga, just because I, I think they've had the idea of, okay, we brought back two different Spider-Men mm -hmm. into one, one our Spider-Man movie, mm -hmm. and everybody was on board. Nobody got confused and went, wait a minute, who are those two guys? Mm -hmm. How did they get there? Like, they're in the zeitgeist enough for everybody knows that they exist. So, like, my prediction is that, you know, by the time we do get into uh, th this multiverse end scenario, we're going to have 
all of the old X-Men from Fox kind of make their appearance. Mm-hmm. You might have some of the old Fantastic Four show up and make their version of an appearance. Mm-hmm. And then after we get done with that, then they'll start recasting Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, finally. Got it. Uh, by the way, uh, you were just mentioning Hugh Jackman, and I, I, I don't know how illegal this is, but just the other day, I was over on YouTube, and somebody who was seated in the audience uh, with a phone managed to get all of the Music Man, uh, the Hugh Jackman Sutton Foster revival that just closed on mm. Broadway. And I sat there for an hour or so, you know, sort of wandering through that. And he, he put in a charming performance. And I guess this was, was filmed earlier enough in the show that he hadn't yet bulked up to Wolverine size yet. But a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Actually, I believe they were using uh, uh, force perspective. They just put Hugh Jackman further back on the stage. The bigger he got, they just pushed him further and further back. They actually tore out the back wall, and he was in the parking lot there we go. singing there we the, go. in the final show there. Yeah, That's funny. Okay. Uh, we'll tell you, what, folks, uh, we will get further about Quantumania, further about the multiverse uh, later on in today's show. But first, uh, heading into the news segment, and as always, news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destination trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network for a worry-free travel experience every time. Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, last week's show, we spoke at length about James Gunn and Peter Safran, uh, the, the, the pair that Warner Brothers Discovery tapped to be co-chairman and chief executive officers of DC Studios. So, these two are now supposed to be the Kevin Feige's for DC over at Warner's. And on last week's show, Aaron, you and I talked about what they walked out for chapter one. And boy, were DC fans thrilled. Thrilled, I say. <laughs> Doing cartwheels in the streets, they were. Why, I tell you. <laughs> James did an interview with, with Gizmodo earlier this week. where He talked about doing that sort of thing where, you know, when you're doing a chapter one, and remember, this is chapter one of where these are movies for theatrical release. These are limited series that will show up on HBO, likewise animated series, and all of them with the idea of pushing forward this new take uh, on, on the camera. And if, and if they're not, then they're just called the Elseworld series, like the upcoming Joker sequel and the Batman 2. Thank you. We did not touch on that on the last show. But James went on to talk about, you know, well, the thing with a chapter one is you have to tell stories that allow you to tell future stories. And in fact, he talked about, you know, when I, I did Guardians 1, I had a story in his head about what the potential trilogy might be that if I got the chance to continue this story, it obviously started with Guardians 1, but where it might go uh, if we got the chance to make a Guardians 3. And he talked about how, He learned to do this during his stint at Marvel. The effect is that, look, I've been inside a company that did that very well. But James went on to talk about what it was like to actually be inside of a Marvel studio. And I deliberately dug out this quote because I wanted to hear Aaron's thoughts on this. Because Aaron has a, a somewhat... Some would say cynical. Some would say realistic <laughs> take on you know on how things actually work in the industry. Sure. Okay, but this is what he he went to go on to say about Marvel Studios to the effect of Marvel Studios didn't often have everything completely worked out ahead of time when it came to its films, but, but they did a lot of things really well, and one of them was not giving up. 
And I really love that about uh, Kevin. Uh, that's Kevin Feige and, and, Lou, and Lou Esposito and the whole gang over at Marvel Studios. I've seen them turn bad movies into okay movies, okay movies into good movies, and good movies into great movies because they do not effing stop. At the same time, that work ethic to relentlessly push to make a film better. Aaron, you and I have talked about the stories that have been kind of bubbling up out of the effects houses all over town that that work on these Marvel films about do it again, do it again, do mm-hmm, it again, mm-hmm. or you know we don't like that scene, or we hope that character is now in the movie. Figure this out. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know the end result is this this series of ridiculously entertaining interconnected movies, but but again comes at a price. James goes on to say when it comes to Marvel Studios senior management, it's like and that. You know what they will do to get MCU movie across the finish line in the best possible shape that film can be in. So they give it whatever it needs to be as good as it can possibly be till the eleventh hour, and they'll be editing till the day before the premiere. It's a lot, and then James Gunn goes on to say it's too much. So, what do you say about all that? Well, it's it's honest. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know he's he's not besmirching anybody's good name mm-hmm. in any of these comments, mm-hmm. right? I don't think anybody at Marvel would disagree with anything he said. Nope. So, I think there's a fair amount of honesty in it, but it's also kind of gives you a glimpse at what his mentality is going to be. Mm-hmm. Is that I don't know all the answers mm-hmm. as a storyteller. I'm going to rely on other people to write most of these stories, and there's going to be key points where they're going to have to kind of link together a little bit. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, you have to tell, you have to focus on that one story, mm-hmm. and you have to do that one story service. And if you see along the way that it's not as great as it could be, then you keep working on it until it is great, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that's kind of the thing where, you know, James Gunn is doing the creative, whereas his, his counterpart is handling the money. Mm-hmm. So what he needs to have is a very good relationship to where he can turn to the desk across the way and go, uh, I need another $7 million to make this shit work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, yeah, this, this is not doing well. And, and then be able to get that money, because if they get cut off financially, then you're stuck with, like, a grenade with a pin that's been pulled, right? You're just like, you're just waiting for it to go off and uh, do damage to everybody who's standing close by. So I think that it's kind of a healthy mentality of, of if you're going to be in this business, if you're building this giant universe, every link in the chain has to be a strong link if they're all going to be connected and you can't cheapen out just because uh, Shazam is not your favorite character. It's not Superman. And so every everything's got to be given its its due. I think it's a healthy statement, and it's a, a good mindset for where he's going creatively. You have to understand, this is a guy who's got a a brand new slate of, of films he's trying to get made. Likewise, limited series. So that means that he's got to reach out to these very same effects houses that are doing the stuff for Marvel, and these guys are. If the stories are true, flat out, they're doing everything they can to meet the Marvel deadlines and get quality stuff out the door. And if read in the proper way, you know, what Gunn's putting out there is, look, I understand how tough this is and, you know, how pressure it is, but we're not going to be like Marvel. You know, we're not going to be that crazy company. And, you know, with the notion of I think there's a number of people who run effects houses in town who are like would love to hear this. And who, you know, potentially, you know, when this new Superman or the new Batmans get going, 
I don't think that's going to last that that whole notion of because the the thing that you're kind of pointing to is how he said at the end they they'll edit up to the day before and that that's going too far. Yep. I don't I don't think that's going to last for a second. <laughs> Because first off, we're in a digital world, right? Yeah. I can have a client call me. What used to take me hours to do, I can have a client call me and go, hey, change that. And within seconds, I can digitally zip a thing out and replace it with the most minimal of effort mm -hmm. and have a full revision that sounds just as glorious as the first take back in their inbox in under five minutes, right? Mm -hmm. You can do that with video as well. And if you get a last minute idea and it's, and I am Iron Man, yep. snap. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know that James Gunn's going to be having everybody on the phone going, back in the studio, back in the studio. We need to get this this one last shot. I know we release tomorrow, but we just had an I am Iron Man moment, and I need him back on set. Now get him on set. It'll only take a minute. Okay. so Right? So. That's, that's, he's got good intentions. Oh, no, You're no, right. No, no doubt. He's, no, no, he's got a goal, yeah. but it's not going to last when the reality hits the fan. What is the rock lyric I'm, I'm thinking of here? <laughs> Meet the new boss. Same as the old boss. The old boss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's uh, about it. Well, okay. Well, James tried. I mean, it, it's kind of like that. Let me send over the muffin basket and the flowers before I, I start asking for impossible things. Now, it, so. It'll be one of those things where he'll just go, just give me the footage. I'll do it myself, you bastard. <laughs> Right. Well, how many union rules am I breaking by being the editor? <laughs> uh, right? That's the question he's got to ask go. in that moment. But he's like, it'll take five minutes. You just shut up. Nobody will say anything, and it'll be fine. Well, you know, it's so interesting you you say this. Because, again, people saying the quiet part out loud, basically. Because yeah. well, what's kind of interesting is Paul Rudd on the red carpet for and Lawas Quantum Mania <laughs> also kind of did the same thing. You know, that he was talking about the fact he's a 53-year-old man who has to get into the Ant-Man suit, who has to be camera ready. And he found out this time around that it was so much harder to get in shape for Quantum Mania. You know, and he was like, I made the, the first Ant-Man movie back in 2013. It shouldn't be this hard. Suddenly my clothes fit tight and I thought, oh, this sucks. You know, I can't even wear the pants. And it's like I would work out and eat perfectly and I'd still look worse than any of the other adventures. So I just say to myself, well, I might as well eat some cookies. During all of this, and in fact, this is a fascinating week because remember, we, we had Black Panther Wakanda Forever uh, finally debuted in China. I don't know if you saw this past weekend. It was number three at the box office there. And also Ant-Man debuted last week on Disney Plus just this past week, became available as a Blu-ray and a DVD. But at the same time, as Ant-Man 3 is walking out into theaters, here's all of these execs from Marvel on the red carpet talking off the record about, well, yeah, you know, we are already having discussions about Black Panther 3 and Ant-Man 4. We kind of alluded to this at the top of the show. In yesterday's earnings call, Disney revealed that we have sequels in the work for Frozen uh, that's going to be Frozen 3, Toy Story 5, and Zootopia 2. But at the same time, Aaron, you were, uh, what is it, a, a, a friend of the show, Jim Shul, was was mentioning how much are they looking for to do for, for cost savings or a reduction at the studio? Well, they're tr they're going to be trimming $3 billion mm -hmm. in, in content creation. Mm-hmm. 
And so uh, that sounds like a massive amount. You're like, wow, $3 billion. We're not even going to have a Marvel or a Star Wars mm-hmm. thing because that's so much money. And then they go, oh, but we're still spending a little over $30 billion mm-hmm. to create content. So it would be like, oh, so you're going to spend like 35 Now you're spending 32 mm-hmm. Well, that's like you got rid of craft services then. Mm-hmm. You know, that's barely anything. It really makes me wonder, like, what are you truly getting rid of? Uh, be, like, Because I, I don't think that they're going to cut out on... Marvel or Star Wars content, you know, Pixar only gets so much that they get to put out per year, so I don't see a cut coming there. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what are you really going to stop making? And, and it could be some of the documentaries. I don't know how well the documentaries do. I know that you and I both enjoy them, and, you know, Drew Taylor enjoys them, but we're the, the geeks on the fringe that like to know how everything is made. And most average people don't. Toward that end, uh, the latest assembled about the making of Black Panther Wakanda Forever just bubbled up at Disney Plus. So would those be the things that go away if, if they only get like, you know, a one percent of the Marvel audience watches those? Are are those the things that go away? I don't honestly know. I mean, we are in such a weird space right now. But when you talk with people in the industry right now, I mean, for example, Barry Diller just yesterday in Los Angeles Magazine, uh, they released a story. And Barry Diller used to be the head of Paramount Studios. And he was talking about the fact that given what's going on with the box office, given that the theatrical experience the, the exhibitors under are under so much pressure. I mean, you, you must have mm. seen the story earlier this week about AMC is now going to sell the really good seats. Yeah, like where the, the sound is, is perfectly balanced on each side <laughs> and, and you get the central view. You now have to pay a premium, which mm. is like, well, that sealed the, the death knell for me for like, I'll just stay home then because well, I'm not going to do a, a, a shitty seat mm-hmm. and I'm not going to pay extra to sit in a good spot where you know yeah no that's that's well but 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 see this is the thing barry was talking about the fact that if you do that if you you know and and at a time when you know it's post-pandemic and and the theater going experience got derailed he was talking about this in the context of the academy awards where the ratings for the television show the actual broadcast of the academy award have cratered Mm. But the hard reality is that nobody is tuning into the Academy Awards anymore to see whether or not the movie that they love, that they went to the theaters to see, is going to win the award. People have been untrained mm-hmm. or, or retrained to not go to movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was like forbidden for so long, you just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Then everybody started throwing everything at streaming. We started get movies right away as streaming content. We're like, oh, great. Now we don't have to go to the movies because the content's just here. And now they've got to retrain us once again to go uh, like Black Panther mm-hmm. was was a pretty good example where they didn't go straight mm-hmm. to Disney Plus with it. They waited. What is it from November to February? So, you know, like almost three months. I want to say closer to two and a half because I think it was released in in December. As, but no, wait a minute. You're right. They did release it in, in November because think about it. Avatar. You know, they had to you know, make right, sure that clear they, the runway for Avatar. That's it exactly. Spot. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, when you're looking at the overall numbers for something like Disney Plus, mm-hmm. we'd been hearing that they had a one billion dollar debt, which seemed like a whole lot. You're like, yeah. oh wow, billion dollar hole that you've created with that. Mm-hmm. But then you realize that they've been spending, you know, almost thirty five billion to create stuff, and you're only off by a billion. Doesn't seem like that much. So to trim three billion out of this year's 
you know, creative content budget, well, voila, you're suddenly at a, a two billion, you know, positive number on that, and you're, now you're generating revenue, which is great. The things that they have to worry about are. Do you remember how they had low expectations for their subscriber numbers and then they did really, really well? Well, now they've kind of hit a ceiling where, you know, you're not getting as many new subscribers, so you're not making new money. So if you're not making new fresh money, you got to, you got to, you know, find a way to cut costs somewhere. And the other thing that they're looking at Mm -hmm. was licensing. Mm some of their content out elsewhere, kind of like how they did with, you know, Marvel's Daredevil went over to Netflix mm-hmm. for that that little bit. Yep. I don't see them doing that with Star Wars or with Marvel properties, mm-hmm. unless maybe it's animated. Because mm. I can see that going over to a Cartoon Network type thing where they're like, hey, a couple million bucks gets you this Clone Wars thing. Speaking of which, uh, animated things that when we get back from this break, we're going to talk about what just happened with Hitmonkey, which is kind of fascinating. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mentioned we're going to talk about Hitmonkey, but first, just a little bit more about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And again, we mentioned about you know the folks who got to see the film, who are limited by the embargo. But a lot of them went on social media, were very enthusiastic, but wanted people to go in with the right mindset for Quantumania. And they just wanted people to know that don't go into this necessarily thinking about it as a Marvel film, but rather if you go in with the notion of you're about to go see a big, goofy Star Wars-like movie, you will have a great time. Yeah, I was hearing that comparison. It's like uh, Marvel just dipped into the Star Wars universe for a bit. The only reason I think that they're really leaning in that as a descriptor is because, well, if you're going into the the quantum realm, it's going to look goofy. You know, it's it's got to look unlike anything on Earth. There's no lakes. There's no trees, mm-hmm. right? No grass. Yep. So it's got to look otherworldly. And as soon as you start thinking like that, it's just like, well, what else is super successful that I could say as a as an equation to anybody on the planet it's kind of like this and you go ah star wars had lots of different okay. worlds that were wild and and varied and different species of creatures that are kind of humanoid but different mm-hmm. and uh, I, I yeah i think that's the quickest shorthand anybody on on earth could come up with like yeah kind of like star wars but different <laughs> with marvel you know like chocolate and peanut butter it's really tasty you'll love it you'll love it try it bob try it <laughs> okay Uh, it's for kids you know all right anyway just managing expectations without giving anything away the other thing that did come out of of folks uh, on social media is we have one mid-credit scene and one end credit scene but again this is their introduction to the multiverse and things are supposed to really blow up in Deadpool 3 and toward that end what I'm being told by friends at Marvel Studio is this Deadpool 3 is the nexus point, but evidently with Deadpool, this, the doors really blow open. And what I keep hearing is 
Loki, particularly from the the TVA Loki, which I think is a a fascinating idea. I I really love the idea of of Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman being, you know, Hiddleston, right? Uh, Tom Hiddleston, yeah, yeah. doing Loki. Well, that would be, I mean, we have not yet had a legit connection Mm -hmm. to Deadpool in the proper MCU as we know it today. It's always been tied to the Fox universe of X-Men and such. So... They need a proper connection if they're going to do it. And uh, I think, you know, yeah, Loki's a good choice if if uh, this whole multiverse is going haywire. Uh, yeah, why not let that be the point where everything collides and goes nuts for a couple hours? Yeah, I mean, it, if there's a way to do this and notion that we're, we're already got Hugh Jackman teaming up with Ryan Reynolds and the notion of Tom Hiddleston, sure, what the hell? Anyway, we talked about uh, Hit Monkey, which remember, this was an animated series that debuted on Hulu uh, back in November of 2001. Hit Monkey just got renewed for a second. What? Well, here's the thing it got renewed for a second season of Hulu. Only the Marvel branding is being stripped off of this thing. And I'm not entirely sure how to feel about that though given what you just suggested on the the first half of today's show to the effect of you know if disney is looking to uh you know to license keep- things away to other people but hulu they own the majority of hulu so it's not like they're going to license to themselves We're- i wonder if this is a trial balloon well, I, th- I kind of think just that Hitmonkey is its own little mm-hmm. world unto itself, mm-hmm. and Marvel just doesn't want anyone going, hey, is this connected to the MCU? One's Hitmonkey going to show up in live action? They just don't want to deal with that. Just let it be its own thing and, and not necessarily, uh, if if we don't put our name on it, people won't ask that question, it's, and it will just be its own thing by nature. Aaron may have just hit upon it. Sometimes the simplest explanation is the right explanation. I mean, well, I would call it right. That's just a hypothesis. Okay. Okay. Well, likewise, though, the fact that Spider-Man is now making appearances on board the Disney Wish inside of that ship's World of Marvel restaurant. Remember, this is the one where Ant-Man and the Wasp shows up and they parade the giant food through the, the restaurant and all that. How did Spidey thwip out to the boat? That's what I want to know. Well, there, there we go. I mean, it's just sort of like he's there because people want to see him. Well, sure. Spider-Man's the most popular character and Iron Man's number two, right? No, Iron Man was, was like way down. Used to be very not as popular mm-hmm. as as uh like yeah he was like fifth or sixth or whatever mm-hmm. um i want to say captain america well I, I don't remember but there used to be like a ranking and and uh iron man i want to say was like number six if you talk with the folks at the disney parks evidently it's the notion of why do we have so many iron man attractions it's like well it's Robert Downey Jr. The films are ridiculously popular. People want to see this character. So that's yeah, why we Yeah, well, no, it was, it was like almost risky when Marvel said the first movie we're going to do is Iron Man. And, yeah. and like all the Marvel fans are like, okay, why? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. And, and, and speaking of why, I don't mean to wade into politics here, but, but folks who've been paying attention to the George Santos saga, the, the, the gentleman who wound up in the House of Representatives for the state of New York, who turns out basically invented his entire resume. And it's just sort of like, 
act when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. But did you see the story that leaked this past week where it's like he actually told people that he was one of the producers on the ill-fated Broadway musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? Yeah, why would you just, you know, like, hey, uh, you remember uh, Typhoid Mary? That was me. <laughs> well, no. That, that, <laughs> that, that's exactly, I mean, I, I guess from a convert, you know, I, I, you know, if you, you, you know, I'm trying to be hold up my end of the conversation and, you know. Right. Like, who the hell's going to double check on that? Oh, you were tied to that piece of shit? Well, yeah, let's not Google IMDB and find out if you actually were. We'll just, because nobody, it's it's a lie so stupid Well, that nobody would ever have to check up on it, right? Well, it's so interesting you say that, because evidently Santos, prior to running for elected office, this is back in 2001, was telling people that he was trying to convince to donate uh, to his, his 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 run for Congress. And Michael Cole, who is the lead producer on Turn Off the Dark, just came out last week to the effect of he had nothing to do with the show. Get a copy of Playbill. His name is nowhere to be found in this thing. And, and more to the point, why? Why, if you're trying to convince people that I will make good use of your money when I run for Congress, <laughs> would you associate yourself with a Broadway show that lost $75 yeah. million? It's like a, a boat maker going that Titanic ship over there. Yeah, I built that. Mm. Beautiful boat. <laughs> you want a boat, by the way? I make them just like that one. I can make you one real quick. Good price. Uh, no, thanks. Okay. No, thanks. All right. But, but again... Thinking of weird things that people do to promote, did you see last week the video pieces and the like that were put out for Look Out for the Little Guy, the biography of Scott Lang? Oh, yeah. Like, it actually became a book that they put out. Yeah. It, it, and, and, but, but here's the thing. Here's what I don't understand. Okay. It's a legitimate book. It's coming from Hyperion uh, Avenue Press. 256 pages. You can pre-order it right now for $26.99. But it's coming out September 5th of this year. Well, that's because they, if they would have put it out now, then there'd be leaks and, and story plot points and such. So... You know, they, they had to wait because, you know how uh, in the movies when when they've got the drug dealers and they've got all the people like blindfolded doing the things naked with the cocaine, the packaging, so they don't steal it. Mm -hmm. That's how they do the books at Marvel. Everyone's blindfolded and, and naked so they can't steal any documents or anything. And, and uh, that's how they make books now. Take It's a long time because it's really hard to make sure your page numbers are correct when you're blindfolded. But anyway. <laughs> You leave me with so many images I can't unsee now. <laughs> I, know, I know, right? It's, it's a very specific image. But it is. But on the <laughs> other hand, I, I think you, you may actually be onto something here because I was going along the lines to the effect of if we go even six or eight weeks out to when the Blu-ray DVD went uh, and when the show's up on Disney+, Plus, it's like I didn't see, you know, what's going to help push sales of this? The movie will be well in the review, likewise the Blu-ray, the DVD, but I, I think you're not wrong. Yeah, but you know, there's uh, tangentially the uh, Leslie Nope book mm -hmm. of um, Pawnee, mm -hmm. Indiana, mm -hmm. and it's the book that they showed like her writing in Parks and Rec. 
about the history of Pawnee. Mm -hmm. And we love the show, so I ended up getting that book as a gift. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's written in the voice of Leslie Nope, And it's just as funny as all of Parks and Rec, you know, the TV show is. Mm -hmm. So I think if you end up just being a fan of Ant-Man, or you know what? Mm Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you're a prop collector where you just like things that were in a movie, life-size collectibles, that's one of those things where you can, you know, grab a copy of that and and place it next to your $100 Marvel Legends Ant-Man life-size helmet. Seriously, because I've got, you know, the the life-size Iron Man helmet and, you know, I've got a whole bunch of Star Wars helmets. But anytime there's a life-size prop like my lightsabers, Mm -hmm. of course, they're going to go next to the Luke X-Wing pilot helmet to show off. So... Yeah, if you're a collector and that book is in the movie, bam, slap it next to that helmet and your Ant-Man display just got a little bit cooler. That, that is an excellent point. Of course, you know, the other thing perhaps we're overlooking here is we, we've talked previously about all of these art of books that come a year or more later. And the old cliche of it's got to come on the slow boat from China because that's where these things are produced. Though, toward that end, I do want to mention a book that I'm really, really looking forward to that I just learned this past week is coming is Marvel Studios' Werewolf by Night, The Art of the Special. They're actually doing one of these, and it will be hitting store shelves on October 3rd of this year. But I love that they, they're now doing them not just for the movies and the limited series, but something like this that had such a great look. And just it's like, ooh, I, I want to see that movie. I want this book for my collection. So You know, it's, it, sometimes we forget that Marvel's a publishing company first. <laughs> And they really should be making these books yeah. like, you know, hand over fist of of uh, and then package it with the source material. You know, by the way, if you love Werewolf by Night, mm-hmm. you know, get our reprint mm-hmm. of the original first appearance. And, and, you know, then you're selling, you know, the book and three comics mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and I think they've been doing a decent job with that. Like, remember in Moon Knight where there would be these uh, QR codes and you would, you know, take a shot at it and it would take you to the digital comic of Moon Knight? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, they, they have been doing a fairly decent job of, of getting you back to the source material. But the books, the behind the scenes, their publishing company, they really should have that in the bag, right? This is an excellent point. Okay, before we wrap up here, I, I did want to also feature an update about Jeremy Renner, who, remember, you know, we were talking about, you know, that, that you know, got injured in that New Year's Day snowplow thing where the snowcat tumbled over him. And they're, they're now, t- he broke 30 bones during that accident, but home now recovering. And, you know, well, first of all, he was, you know, helping to launch the second season of the mayor of Kingstown. But just this past week, he was doing heavy lifting for the folks over at Disney Plus because it turns out he's also shot, prior to the accident, shot a series for Disney Plus, a documentary series where where the gimmick is that he travels the world and finds a, a town that needs a very specific vehicle and then gets that vehicle built for them. This is a series that's called... God help us, this is the real name, Aaron. Renovations. Mm. <laughs> and the first episode for season two will be like, can you build me a little scooter so I can get to the second location, please? <laughs> well, 
Yes. But but the interesting thing is that he was helping out the folks at Disney Plus to the effect of, oh, no, no, we're, you know, we filmed all these episodes, they're editing them, people are still going to get this show. This is still coming. But he, he talked about that he's done a teaser trailer for Innovations where there's no better way to kick off the new year than, than giving back to those who need it most. And I, I, I think in hindsight, maybe lose the reference to the new year. Just, you know, right. that kind of brings up things. And before we head out the door, we were just talking about Disney Plus, and they were crowing about what just happened with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which, remember, just last week became available for viewing on the subscription streaming service. And they just announced that the first five days that that Ryan Coogler film premiered over on Disney Plus, it became the top viewed movie premiere. I'm working on getting the how many minutes that involves, because I think you you were talking about this on the last show, Aaron. It's not how many viewings, it's how long people actually sat there and watched the thing. So, um, and that is also a fairly long movie. It is. How is it compared to Eternals? That's got to be. Uh, was Eternals over three hours? I, I, again, because I, I, like you know, the Black Panther two is like two forty three. So if you're able to sit through Black Panther two with no complaints about length, but not Eternals, I think there's actually more going on than just the length. And you and you truly just didn't not enjoy something about the Eternals. I just it didn't grab you. I, it, it shook me awake. I I don't know. It just <laughs> there's the actual physical length of the movie and how long it felt. And it, but again, we're piling on. That's, that, no, that's I, that's I, it could just be the number of characters because it's hard to get to know you know twelve characters in in a two and a half three hour time period where you know you can understand their motivations. You are and, not and wrong. You are not wrong. That's an excellent observation. But but again, sometimes perception is reality. And and yep. and speaking of which, you've been dealing with a lot of perception versus reality with your wonderful mm-hmm. new podcast, Thirty Second Street. That's right. So what's going on over there this? week this week is our our red rum episode danny isn't here mrs torrance uh, it's spooky we chase danny through a hedge maze no it's not okay uh it's we it is the red rum episode it's why mm-hmm. does the color red make you hungry hmm. what it does really honestly i guess mm-hmm. and if you look at some fast food signs try and find one that doesn't have the color red in it hmm. And, and once you start to make the connection that red makes you hungry and all the fast food signs are red, you'll be like, hey, why, why is this? And uh, Ron and I get into the psychology of why red makes you go num, 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 num. Okay. This is why 32nd Street is quickly becoming must listen to. So uh, do go check that out, folks. Likewise, Aaron periodically puts up some fun stuff on social media. Can you tell folks where they can find you there? Yes, on Twitter, you can go to at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. I just put up a picture from the studio. It's a nice, I say, people say I have a nice rack. <laughs> oh, you, you got to be careful who you say those words to, because I take it as a compliment, and, and uh, some people slap you there if you say go. it. Okay. So, You're making uh, friends left and right here. Okay, yeah. speaking of social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Also, uh, Aaron was just plugging his podcast. I want to point out, we have a couple other shows here. We have uh, Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. We have Fine Tuning, which I do with Drew Taylor. That's animation, news, and history. Uh, We have uh, Looking at Lucasum, which I do with Brian Gahn. 
Beyond that, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend, well, again, not just this show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney, but also 32nd Street, that'd be really helpful. If you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. And I guess for now, that's going to do it for this week's Marvelous Disney. So on behalf of Aaron Adams, uh, thanks folks for listening, and we will be back soon.